Welcome to the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. I am your host, Brian Lyons. Welcome back to another episode, guys, of the podcast. On the 27th of February, I have a public speaking role with an organisation called TAZAC. And it's a collaboration between sporting clubs and coaches. And we try and bring mental health to the fore. And I'm really humbled to be invited along to this event. And I'm looking forward to that. So this last few weeks I've been getting ready. And it's um, I'll be speaking on coaching and then just a lived experience within my life. So that's something that I am really looking forward to. Also, I've started a level two coaching course through Athletics Victoria. I uh, got the first online meeting next Monday. Uh, groups have been going really well. We just started morning sessions of a Thursday. So this morning we had our second group session. They did some 400s. We started at 5.30am, but we've been really lucky with the weather and had some really nice mornings to run in. And don't forget the Everyday Lions and Tax Centre Great Train Race. The fun run uh, registrations are now open. We have a seven kilometre race and a two kilometre race for kids. So don't forget to register for that. They're only $30 for adults and 10 bucks for kids. And the night before, we have the Tim Blair Run For Kids Carbo Load Feast. Tim was a previous podcast, podcast guest I should say, and all the money raised from this event will go to the run for kids and we've confirmed tim sloan if you're not sure who tim sloan is he was a jet 100 kilometer ultra marathon man he currently holds the australian record for 100ks and he's finished ninth place in the world championship so we're very lucky to have tim as a speaker Tickets are only $60 and they're on sale now. Now, If you'd like to find out more information about that, you can head over to www.everydaylines.org. Each week, the podcast costs a number of dollars to produce. So if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love a donation or a contribution. You can do this by going over to www.everydaylines.org and looking up the Everyday Lions Running Podcast tab. We would love your support. Thank you. Okay, to this week's guest. This week's guest is Chris French. I first met Chris at the Devonport Triathlon Teams event many years ago. I'm not sure if Chris remembers this, but then we added each other on Facebook. I have gotten to know Chris quite obviously through social media, but this is the first time we've really sat down and had a conversation. Chris is such a lovely guy and I really enjoyed this conversation. He's been a successful runner. He has won the Sydney Casino twice, the Cadbury Marathon twice, and he's broken 30 minutes for 10K. Chris used to be a teacher, and now he works in the correctional services. Chris loves his running, and we touch on some really important topics. If you did enjoy this podcast, please reach out to Chris, because I know that he would enjoy that, because he does love his running. Until next time, I've been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lyons Running Podcast, and here's Chris. How are you, Chris? Welcome to the show. 
Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Thank you for thank you for the opportunity to um to join your podcast. Um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, back in the day, I guess um, for those people that know me, um, you can see my grey hair. It certainly feels like it was back in the day at this point in time. I'm yeah, sure. I'm all good, thank you. That's good. That's good. And uh, how has your day look like today? Yeah, it was a good day. So um, yeah, at, at work and um, got back from work and snuck a run in before I'm um, getting ready for 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 this for this pod, podcast. So living in Queensland um, again is um, is is always a good thing because the weather's always fine up here and fine fine weather makes for a good day. Great. And what do you do for a job? Yeah, so Brian, I was um, in education for um, 28 years, and um, that sort of took me um, took me all over the country actually. So I spent um, I spent my f- uh, first uh, years teaching um, in Hobart, um, in Alston, um, for, th- for three years, and then I moved to the Hutchins School in Hobart for 10 years, and then I took on an executive position in Mackay. Um, I was up there for another 10 years, then I went to Canberra in another executive position. Um, and then so some 28, 30 years of teaching, and then I wanted to change. I, um, I sort of felt that I'd achieved all I wanted to, to achieve in teaching. So went back to some, um, some full-time um, postgraduate study and um, got my master's in project management and then landed a job in, with Queensland Corrective Services. So I've gone, wow. from, um, I've gone from naughty school children to naughty adult <laughs> children. So, yeah, so my role, my role now is a, um, is a program delivery officer. So I, I deliver all the rehabilitation programs for, for the offenders um, here, in, here in Maribor. So, um, yeah, my daily job is, yeah, making sure I facilitate um, these guys through the violence programs and the drug programs, the sex offender programs. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully... Um, address their, their treatment needs and hopefully give them a, a second chance when when these fellas fellas get back out great and that'd be um that'd be a, a really what's the word i'm after uh, you'd feel like you're fulfilling your job it'd, it'd feel like you're like you walk away from a day and tough but you'd feel like you're making a difference some days yeah absolutely and most of the guys that go through our programs it's, it's not what people want i work in a unique environment of course, working in a correctional centre, and it's not what people perhaps think it's like from you know, from watching TV, um, TV shows, and so forth. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, the guys in the the guys in the centre are, are guys that um, they want to get out, of course, but they also generally want, want to improve, and um, they embrace they embrace the programs. Um, as long as you facilitate in the right way and, and treat them with respect, then uh, you know it's 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 pretty it's pretty easy going. And, and yes, absolutely, very very fulfilling to try and make a difference in their lives because they are the, they are the forgotten people once they go to jail. And the bottom yeah. line is these guys are getting back out getting back out into the community. So we need to try our best to to treat them. And I firmly believe they can be treated um, at different levels. And you have success success stories and unsuccessful stories, but you've got to, you've got to keep trying and um, for the guys that embrace it, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to think you may have, may have given them a, a tool or a strategy that they perhaps can use in some circumstance if they choose to do so going going forwards in, the, in, in their lives. So, yeah, no, I love my job. It's great. Fantastic and, and awesome having a change such later in, in, in life as well. So well done. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned you went for a run, so that's something that you still do, which is great. I'm glad to hear this. Yeah, I do. 
<laughs> no, I never give it up. Hey, eh? like us distance yeah. runners, I think it just stay, it stays in our system. We just have our bodies can withstand the years <laughs> and 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 continue to run. So yeah, it's interesting how life changes with your running goals and how yeah. the older you get, the more intrinsic it actually becomes. And because of that, it actually becomes more rewarding. I think running now than even when I was back in those heavy competitive days, you know, racing and um, trying to always beat people, trying to always strive for PBs. Um, that's yeah. the beauty about running. It's um, and athletics is a, it's a, it's a life lifelong um, sport, but it's also more important your lifelong healthy activity. So, Absolutely, I will never stop running. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same, mate. It's uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things. It's in my blood. Yeah. Now. I don't think don't think I'll ever stop. And and what was your introduction into the running? How did this all come about for you? Yeah, so I. Yeah, it was um. So I, I was brought up on the east coast um, of Tasmania, a place called Orford on the east coast. Um, Beautiful part of the world, which um, many of your listeners, <laughs> yeah, will know. And I, I went to a school um to, up the road, Tribalan District High School, a little country school with four hundred kids. And in grade eight, I um in PE, I always loved sport, but in um in in PE, our PE teacher um Chris Chug actually, which many people know Chris Chug um, he was an outstanding PE teacher and um taught at Tribalan. Um, during my time and then went to Rosebay High School, then Ross, then um, uh, Mount Nelson campus um, for teaching years 11 and 12. And he was such an um, ins- inspirational man. Unfortunately, passed away too young um, a few years ago. But um, Chris was my peer teacher and uh, I couldn't run a lap of the oval. He used to always make us have a run before our, our lesson. Uh, I couldn't run a lap of the oval because I suffered bronchitis um, and asthma quite, quite badly. So he just said to me one day, he said, um, why, why don't you just try a bit of slow running after school? Um, because sometimes that can help help control your breathing um, and um, it might, might help with your asthma. So I tried it and I enjoyed it. It yeah. did work. It did help control my breathing. And then I realised I was actually quite good at it. And um, I had this natural natural internal passion for, for running. So I wanted to run for longer. I wanted to run more often. Um, right. So that's how it developed. It didn't, didn't take long. In grade nine, I started um, I started uh, sort of taking the athletic carnivals really seriously and training for it. And um, all of a sudden, I've, I've, yeah, I was running some pretty, pretty, pretty decent times. And then, yeah. so, so then my father um, said, well, how about we go down to Hobart? And because um, back in those days, Hobart was a long, long way away. Um, how about we go to Hobart and um, see if we can find a find a coach for you? So um, off off we off we went one one day to an interclub that we found out was on at Richmond, and I just rocked up and I raced a raced a ten k and I, I got second to um, a fellow called Angus Barnes who was a, who was a super runner, um, my age actually too, a super runner um, from, from the Hutchins School, and um, his mother was the secretary of the Santa Bay Harry Club and uh, and then so I, I came second and. Um, Angus's mum came over to me and um, congratulated me. He got a coach and said no. And then he said, then he said, then she said, well, you should go over and talk to that man over there. And that man happened to be Albert Johnson. Beautiful. He's a famous, um, a legendary coach. And I went to Albert and, um, yeah, that's, that's where it all started. So Great. I used to travel down, train with him. Yeah. Yeah. So you were 14, 15 when this, this all happened? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. About 15 years of age. I, um, I, was, yeah. I was with Albert and, and then, um, and then when I moved to um, to matriculation college um, in Hobart, and I was boarding um, in years eleven and twelve, of course, then it was a lot easier to to be coached by him as well. So that's where my running really took off in years eleven and twelve. Started right. making state teams and so forth under Albert's um, under Albert's mentorship. Yeah, and what does this relationship mean to you? Um, 
with Albert, obviously he's passed on now, but what did that mean at the time? Oh, it was, yeah, look, he was just, he was a second father to, to me and as he was to, um, it, you know, every uh, member in his squad, he had this lovely nurturing um, approach to to running. He, he was inspiring. He, 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 you know, he encouraged you to set goals and, and, and set, set big goals. And as a youngster, that was great because, you know, I wanted to achieve those big goals. And, um, you know, my family got very close to, to Albert as well, of course, and um, so close, um, my relationship with him, but he was my best man at my wedding. Um, oh, awesome. Back there in 1986. So, Fantastic. Yeah, so that, that, was, that was a pretty special time. And his family, his children, um, Adrian, Kathleen and Denise, um, my wife and I used to host them up, up in Olveston for holidays, school holidays, and then um, we've, we've remained very, very good friends. In fact, I stayed with Adrian Johnson just a um, couple of weeks ago when I had a quick visit. Um, down to Tassie to um, to see to see my mother. So yeah, that's you know, another great thing about athletics, isn't it? You you develop lifelong friendships and um, with people that that mean a lot to you. You sure do. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's very very yeah. Great. And so you're 14 or 15. What did your training look like at that time? Were you very much speed based runner, or did you have a lot more endurance? Did what was your training at that age? With yeah, so I yeah, it's sort of a, 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 a um, I mean, training is there's no real magic solution to a, to a training program, especially especially for distance. Um, so it was a it was a standard um program that Albert had me on. So Sunday was a, you know a long run, um, Monday was sort of fart leg one hour run, um, Tuesday uh, Tuesdays and um, Thursdays were interval training days. And, you know that's yep. when you did your one k workouts and your two k's and your four hundred meter floats. Wednesday was a um, sort of a mid mid long run, you know, up to ninety minutes, and then um, Friday was normally a, a rest day or or a, or a, um, you know, a, a recovery run, um, depending on how hard the week's been, and then Saturday was competition or a time trial. So um, really, it was those interval training sessions that that were varied with the, with the number of reps and 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 recovery times and so forth, um, and the length of those. Um, intervals depending on, on what you're training for at the time what what your goals were at the time yeah. so so that, that yeah that was a sort of a st- the standard program that we used um um i very much like my long run so my sunday run sort of started going out to 20k 30k yeah. 35k even when i was like in my you know 17 18 19 years of age so yeah, i just wow. love running long distance yeah yep and did you have a favorite loop did you do is it tinderbox maybe is that was that pretty is it the tinderbox no loop? Was that no yeah, I used to do that. I actually lived in Kingston there for a, for a four years, so um, Tinderbox Loop was 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 a good run. Yeah. Um. No, my favourite my favourite my favourite running was from my hometown, Orford. I used to run from um, Orford um, to Buckland. That's head, heading towards um Hobart, of course, which is sixteen k. Turning around and going back again. Um. And I was driving that road just um, a few weeks ago, and I'm thinking, how on earth do they ever run this road all the time? <laughs> log, you know, log trucks passing me and. Um, <laughs> And the traffic, and uh, but yeah, that was always my favourite run because it, was, it had such a, a variety of, um, of of undulations, like long stretches, um, hills, you know, downhill sections, windy sections. Uh, yeah, um, I like getting out in the country and doing and doing my long runs. Um, right. Yeah, certainly the East Coast area was was beautiful for, for for me growing up as a child and and getting involved in in long distance running. 
Yeah, great. I used to have an ex-girlfriend who lived uh, in Orford, I think Shelley Beach, maybe is that what it's called, Shelley's? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I used to run yeah. from her house to Shelley's. Yeah, return. yeah. It was about 20K maybe, I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. It's great. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so who were you training with at yeah, that time? I, I, I ran. Well, when I, when I moved to Hobart, so basically my training was by myself um, when I was in high school. When I um, moved to Hobart um, for years 11 and 12, I was training with the likes of you know, Russell Foley, Dean Giblin, um, Mike yeah. Dalton, um, Colin, Oliver, Colin Oliver, the late Colin Oliver, um, all very classy athletes. And um, so it was great for me to be, you know, I was in that squad, they were all now but squad, so um, that, that's what I slipped into. And, um, and because I was training with those sort of calibre of athletes, um, in, especially in those interval training days, that's where my um, my ability started to started to really um, come out, and um, my success started. Great. And mentioning mm. those names, there's some pretty pretty jet runners there. Was it uh, pretty well you could let someone take a rep each time? Was that what was Abs- going on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> if if I could keep up with them <laughs> yeah. and at my turn, um, yeah. which sometimes <laughs> is quite difficult. Yeah, that that's you know as as you'd be aware, interval training works best when you're in a group and you're able to sort of rotate the lead around and and share share the workload. It's always harder to, to do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we certainly um up there at the Domain Athletics track on the Tuesdays and, yeah. and Thursdays um training you know from four four to six. But uh, they they were good people. We had a you know, great coach, good squad. Um, and yeah, they're really really good times. And and we're all very all very competitive against each other as well. Um, and um, there's competition amongst other squads at that time too, at that period of time, which quite, was quite intense, which was healthy for us all. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it's friendly. It's friendly competition because when the training's finished, you're like best mates afterwards, have a beer or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yep. then you, you, come, you, come and you come down to that last rep and it's on. It's a full-on race. <laughs> yeah, I know too so. well. <laughs> um, That's right. So for the listeners who are tuning in, did you want to go through your PBs from 1,500 up to the marrow for me just so they can have yeah. a aware of what you've ran? Yeah, so you're asking me whether a distance runner remembers their PBs. Yeah. Of course we do, eh? Yeah, <laughs> right I to do. the very yeah. second. <laughs> right to the very second. Yeah, so my – um. My 800 time actually was, I actually ran a 201 for the 800, which I was pretty pleased with. Oh, not, 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 I used to hate the event. Speed. Yeah, it wasn't too yeah. bad. I actually, I actually had a fairly good turn of speed. I had a, a PB of 54 seconds for the 400. Um, Great. So, yeah, but um, I was pretty wrecked after it. Yeah. Um, 1500, <laughs> 1500 um, 401. I didn't, yeah. 1500 back in the high school days, it was like, like a long distance race. Um, I actually wished I um, raced more 1500s and, and actually break the four-minute barrier. I'm not sure I didn't um, strive to do that. Um, 3,000 metres, I ran 8.22 at a twilight meet um, back in the in the late 90s, and that came out as a bit of a surprise at, at that right. time because um, I hadn't ran many 3,000s. Um, then uh, 5,000 metres, I ran um, 14, 14 minutes and 28 seconds. That was actually my PB in another twilight race in Hobart. Um, Dean Gibbon won that race, I think, in about 14.20. Um and 10,000 metres, which is my favourite event, 10,000 metres on the track was my favourite event. So my um, PB for that was 30 minutes and 30 seconds. And my road PB was 29 minutes and, um, and 50 seconds. Um, yeah, so, and then half marathon. So my, I, I got sixth in the Australian half marathon championships at Lake Macquarie back in 19... 1999, I think that was. And I ran 67 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, 
and I also ran the 67 minute and five seconds half marathon with the uh, with the old Richmond. They used to have a Richmond half marathon and marathon, and it was yeah, a downhill okay. course. Yeah, so, so um, it was a big downhill section, and so it was quite fast. But you ran about 4k downhill. You know what it's like you run that flat out downhill before 4k. When you hit the flat, it actually becomes quite challenging, especially out <laughs> yeah. there the countryside of Richmond. But, coming home those big long straights so yeah and I love the half marathon as well and my best marathon time was some um, two, uh, two hours 28 minutes and two seconds so right um, just missed out and breaking two hours 28 yeah I was about 20 23 or 22 when I, when I when I ran that yeah awesome um I'm just going for your pbs that 3k one that stands out to me and and maybe the 10k one I think I think those, dr- yeah. those races are probably yeah. your best ones yeah, they are. I was always surprised that um, my 5,000 metre, I didn't run a faster 5,000 because I raced a lot yeah. of 5,000s. But, you know, I had this turn of speed and I had, obviously um, I could turn it on. I had this endurance. But the 5,000 race, I just could never get it right. You know, with the energy systems involved in that race, of course, it's, you know, it's a fine to running a good one to to blowing up and running, running a bad one. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, um, it was a sort of, they're interesting um, PBs in, in regards to the, to the 5,000 um, and all, and also the marathon too, to a certain, certain point. But um, as you are very well aware, when you, when you run that marathon and you go for oh, 30 K, yeah. it's so many, <laughs> it's so, so many variables come into, come into place. It's yeah. a different, different piece for sure. Yeah. And did you want to tell me about I can always remember Dean, <laughs> marathon, Oh yeah, you, you so, I think you're saying about Dean. That was it. Sorry. Oh, I was going. To, yeah, I was going to say Dean Giblin. I'm sure he won't mind me saying it. Um, I think his PB is around two, two twenty four, two twenty three, and uh, he, but his but his other times PB times. You look at him, you think, oh my goodness, he, he should be running a you know <laughs> sub two fifteen. Well, and truly heading towards a sub you know heading towards a two ten. But yeah, he, he was a, he was a bit like me. I think in some respects, just found that marathon distance quite quite challenging. Um, yeah, so but I love the marathon, and um, I always yeah. say to people that the, the best the best feeling about a marathon is actually stopping on the finishing line, and, and no matter what you what time you've done, the fact that you've completed the journey and beat the distance, um, to me was the big draw card for, for me to to the marathon. It was yeah. more more important than winning, actually. I couldn't agree more. I actually enjoyed the training process of it too, because it's yeah. you get closer, you get fitter. Like I'm like you, I like to see, like I like writing it down in a diary. I love to see. The weeks and looking back for me, that's where I got my confidence from. I'm not sure if you felt the same way. Yeah, I used to do the same. Yeah, that was a. Um, I, I changed. Um, I changed coaches um, when I was in my early 30s. Um, There's sort of a big story behind that. And I was coached by Max Ferry. It was not, nothing against Albert at all, but it was due, due to circumstance. So I, I'd been going. I'd gone away from Hobart to study university in Lasses, and I was living in Olveston. So I was always sort of coaching by distance. And then when I went back to Hobart. Um, Albert Squad was very, very, very big, and um, the people that some of the people I used to train with with Albert Squad had gone to to Max for for their own reasons. So I had no one to train with um, for rep work. Um, so it was a hard call, but I, you know, I tried. I explained to Albert that I just need to be able to have people to run with. Um, so I went over to Max, and um, and Max sort of took me through my thirties um, uh, running as well. So yeah, so I had a change of coach there, and yeah, he. Um, he gave me sort of another dimension um, and worked on my head more because um, I was mentally fairly, on reflection, I was mentally fairly weak back in the back in my early days. Yep. That self-belief quite wasn't quite there. And um, yep. 
And um, so in my 30s, I needed someone to really smash me over the head with a sledgehammer and uh, mentally. And uh, Max Max was the guy to do that, and and he did it well. Yeah, and he's he's got such a well he well he had such a lovely way about him. I remember the first time I met him, he was only a young kid, and it just it still stays with me today. Um, eggshells, he kept on saying eggshells. So I must have been hitting yeah. the ground really really hard. That's, so that's yeah, the one he picked right. up. Yeah, he's just I don't yeah. know, he's just like. I just used to love my time. I'd go down there and talk to him and he wouldn't say much, but what he'd say, he'd always go away and go, cool, all right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> we, we used to always say if Max and Albert could could have joined forces together, you know, they, they would yeah. uh, produce world, world champions. Um, but they're both fanta- fantastic coaches. And, and Max, of course, um, when I went to his group, I trained with the likes of Daniel Smee and Gary Bissett, you know, outstanding athlete, one of the classiest athletes I've ever played in during my junior years. Um, so I was pretty blessed to be able to train with those guys as well. Great. Yeah, so so yeah, so I was back to your back to your um your question. So I, I moved away, then came back. So I had a sort of there were sort of gaps in my in my running because of that. I kept running all the time, but a lot of self training, um, which which was challenging for me. Yeah, and and your marathon experiences, mate. Uh, so you you were with Albert uh, during some yes. some of those races. Did you want to tell me a little bit about your first experience in that distance? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Albert, um, Albert guided me through my, my first few marathons. And so I was only, I was about 18 years of age and, um, and the, I just started thinking about running marathon at that age, you know, I was yeah. racing fives and tens on the track and road races. And, uh, and I said, I want to, I want to run a marathon. And then not long after that, um, the cabby marathon was held for the, um, for the first time. And was on the old course coming from Glorky in into Hobart, and it had two by eight, eight kilometer loops of, of the Hobart streets, finishing Salamanca, and um, two great runners, Lindsay Webb and Craig Anderson, um, were in that race, and uh, the, Lindsay beat um, beat Craig by only a few seconds. They both had, I think, two two twenty four, low low okay. two twenty fours, which was a really fast time you know, back back in those days. Um, um, and I was just, they inspired me. I thought, oh, well, I want to be, be part of this. I want to be in a pack. I want to race and try and do those times. So then Albert um, said, well, why not? Let's do it. I got criticised at the time for being too young, going to my first marathon. But Albert said, look, you're uh, part with the marathon. The biggest hurdle is mentally wanting to do it and you want to do it. So you know, let, let's do it now. Um, so, yeah, so the race, um, it was the second Cabri marathon and, um, and unfortunately, three weeks before the race, my father was diagnosed with um, with lung cancer, and uh, he he didn't want to tell me. And um, but these things you can't really keep keep it away from your children for too long. His dad didn't want to tell me because he didn't want me to pull out of the race because he was quite unwell, and it sort of took us by surprise. But um, we got through that. Um, but it was a very emotional time for me. And um, so anyway, um, dad came along. Um, dad was a school bus driver, and the, my support my support base used my, used his bus, and they're all sort of following me around the course. Um, oh, so the course, it. yeah, so yeah, so, so the race started, and um, a bit of publicity building up to it because I was you know I was only I was only twenty, um, and I was up against um, a couple of favorite, other favourites were Hayden Wilson and a fellow called Andrew Verrier, really great you know great runners in in, in their own right. Um, and I just won. I just just before Christmas, I ran a 30, 40, 10,000 meters at the track, the main okay. athletics track, as a nineteen-year-old. Um, so that that uh, became a bit of a focus for everyone else, thinking, you know, 
okay, this guy's going to be yeah, put a good marathon together. Yeah. So the race started and at the 10K mark, I, I sort of made my break. And as you'll be wearing your first, first marathon, you have no fear of it. So 10K no. off, I, <laughs> <laughs> off, I, off I went and um, got into the streets of Hobart, just got to the 36K mark and, um, and uh, Cramp took hold of me um, okay. big time. Collapsed on the ground. You know, I glanced over the bus, and Dad was there. I could see Dad. Um, I could see Dad upset. And then the motorbike, motorcycle cop came back to me to try and lift me up. I said, "Don't touch me. I want to finish it." Um, I was three minutes ahead of Hayden Nielsen at that particular moment. Um, you know, it was sort of four, four or five kilometres to go. And I end up getting up, and I always refer to it as the most spiritual moment in my life because um, I shouldn't have got up. Like cramp in both hammies like you, you really don't get up from that um no. i just came over a little rise and that's when the, the hammies went um but i got up and then i got trotting and the motorcycle cop was right beside me all, all the rest of the way and i won by 90 seconds awesome um in the end um to hayden nielsen um who you know i think obviously <laughs> he was delighted for me as well um he was, he, was, he was a great fella. And then my father passed away only two weeks after that. So, so that sort of marathon event um, is a really big part of my life and sort of shaped me for the rest of my life in, in, in so many ways. Um, yeah, so no marathon. I, um, the year after, the, the next year, there was a big build-up between myself and, um, and a professional runner, Lee Taylor, from up, up your way. Yeah, I um, Lee quite well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great, great fella. And um, Lee and I, for the next race, we went through the halfway mark of the Cabbie Marathon, it was 68 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and, um, right. and, yeah, and then no Lee, Lee, no fear, yeah. And then Lee pulled out um, um, and, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got a chance of, of winning this. Um, but then about 4K to go, I hit the wall really bad. <laughs> yeah. And um, another great athlete, Garth Foley from Launceston, who was a really consistent sort of 224, 225, 226 marathon runner, um, came through and, and, and won that event. Um, and then the following year around again, and we had a really great, um, a great field, Russ Foley, Mike Dalton, a couple of guys from the mainland as well. Um, I think Garth Foley was, was in it. And I made one of my greatest son, um, on calls, we were in a pack at the about the um, eight five to five to eight k mark somewhere there, and um, Russell Foley just took off. Yeah, and Sky from New South Wales says, "Oh, is, do you think he's taken off too early?" I said, "Yeah, I think he has." We're in the pack. I said, "No, I think he has. I think he's taking off really early." I mean, he's a good runner, but I expect, I expect <laughs> he'll come back to us. Anyway, that day Russell ran two hours twenty one. <laughs> so, <laughs> he didn't come back to you, did he? <laughs> he didn't come back. To you. He just kept going and goes, was a good, fantastic run. Um, and because we had a, a really great pack, I, I that was when I did my PB. I ran two hours twenty eight on. Um, on the, in that particular race, um, right? Yeah, I always struggled with always struggled with cramp in marathons. It was just in those last four or five k. Um, that was always my my Achilles heel. Yeah, um, Achilles heel in my hamstring. So um, yeah, but I, but now I kept coming back. You know, you sort of I just kept coming back to them. I've run about I've run about fifteen marathons. So yeah, one three of them. So I won the Cabries again in ninety four. On the the course was over on the eastern shore, Bellary, really tough hilly course in thirty degree heat that particular year. Um, then the uh, then the Southern Cross Marathon at Richmond, I, I won that in really blustery conditions too. But and I've had seconds and thirds and Great. lost a third place, lost a third place by one second. So I've experienced oh, it, nice. experienced it all. And, <laughs> yeah, and 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 pulled and pulled out of three. So yeah. Wow. And and what did your training look like? Like a lot of people will stay away from running marathons at full pace in training did you do a lot of that in your long runs or did you keep it short in your shorter rep days how did you do your marrow training 
Yeah, so um, the training for the marathon really was the midweek run, increasing that distance, um, so going from sort of around 90 minutes out to, out to two hours um, for the Wednesday run. And then for the Sunday long run, um, uh, minimum two hours and often two and a half to, to three hours. But, yeah, keeping it, um, keeping it at, a, at a not a super slow pace, but certainly a pace, a talking pace, you know, where, yeah. your, where your aerobic capacity was, was comfortable. Um, uh, every now and then, though, then we would we, we'd run a faster, you know, a fast thirty k or a fast twenty five k, just just to test out how, how our training was going. Um, but we'd only do that sort of once every six six to eight weeks. Um, yeah. For the rest, the rest of it was just getting miles miles in the legs, and then using the interval work, um, you know, get moving out to sort of you know three by three k's and two by three k's, and then doing ten yeah. meter, four hundred meter floats. So that's where we really worked hard at the end of, at the lactic stuff and. Right. Try and increase the aerobic threshold more through um, through longer interval training and doing that at a fast pace. Yeah. So are you yeah. hitting like one sixty, one eighty a week? Is that on average? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Spot on. That's that's yeah. about my average for the for the marathon is about one sixty, one seventy, and then and that included running um you know six six k runs in the morning too. Just yeah. Again to get to get miles. It's hard to maintain isn't it? after a while. It it starts oh, to grind on you. It's a it's a different beast. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's very, very tough, and um, and mentally, um, as you know, to to do that twice a day training um, and to and to keep it going, you've got to be really motivated to do it. Yeah, yeah you do. My, <laughs> my, my bi- yeah, that's right. Yeah. My, my my biggest my biggest disappointment in running was probably, and I was with Max, and um, I was in really good nick, and um, the Gold Coast ninety nine nine Gold Coast Marathon, um, and the Olympic Games, of course, was in in two thousand. And we thought they had a really good chance of um, breaking um, or getting close to two hours 15 and perhaps getting a B-grade qualifying time for the Olympics. And um, so we tested out my cramps um, through 30K over the Cadbury Marathon course, um, you know, the current course that they use. And I ended up running one, one hour 36 for, for 30K. Yeah. And, and my last 5K was really, really quick. Um, Come, come race day, a um, couple of months, eight weeks later, then it all went pear-shaped for me. So um, I hit halfway mark at around 71, so I was well off my target. And then mentally that crushed me and then I finished, I cramped my forearms at the end of, the, end of that particular race. And um, I think we left my my race, um, I raced that time trial. That, that I left that left all that there and um, didn't okay. have much for eight, eight weeks. So it was a bit of a, it was a catch-22 because we wanted to test out the legs. Um, but in hindsight, I probably... Um, I probably shouldn't have done, but anyway, it didn't matter. I finished the run. I, I finished it was a pretty poor state. It's tough uh, yeah, up that, there though, too, mate. Coming from Hobart to to it, Goldie, yeah. I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. It's a different beast, mate. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And, and flat too, of course. There's no yeah. relief really for any undulations too much. But but you know that's that's just as Max said at the time um, when he was trying to get him psychologically back back together again afterwards. He said, "Well, if you hadn't done." Um, trained for this race then you wouldn't have won your city you wouldn't have won your city casino races yeah it's all about process so I, me- I remember that conversation having a big impact with me you know it's about process it's about what you do and if things don't go for you well on, on race day then you've got to look at the positives that, that that led up to that so yeah absolutely and that was another question we sort of answered i was going to say what are some other running achievements that you're really proud of yeah, well, City Casino. I tried, I tried 15 years winning the City Casino for, um, yeah. <laughs> race, and and, um, and I'm John Briggs, the sports journalist. And I did when it had um, uh, headlines was French, French, um, 
French comes first at last. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> which, which is pretty clever. So, yeah, as a youngster, I, my first city casino, I, I finished 114, thinking I was in the top 20 yeah. <laughs> in the race that I was coming out. And then I went to, you know, I got, I got 18th the next year. Then I, then I made myself in the top 10. And I had, I had seconds, two seconds. Um, Dean Gilman kept beating me. Oh, <laughs> as beating everyone in the city casino. <laughs> um, yeah, so my time came. I was at my very, very fittest. That, you know, it was 19. 98 and um i was yeah. doing all my pbs and uh and that was a massive event for me because it was just a childhood dream when i saw a picture of kent rayner um in the paper winning it back in the um back in the early 80s and kent was such a fantastic athlete i didn't know how good he was at the time i just saw a picture of him and the and the, and the story of him i thought no again i thought no i wanted to be like him i wanted to want to win the cd casino and um so when i did it after all those years yeah it meant, meant a heap to me and then i was able to back it up the following year too with exact time actually exact awesome. same time <laughs> so yeah, um, <laughs> yeah um, I, went, I went i went to go for a third win but um daniel smee got me that year and oh, um, so, yeah, that's all right there's no shame in that yeah <laughs> no i, I I saw I saw out the century in my last minute in 1999, then Daniel Smee brought in the new century. Yeah. Century <laughs> of the City Casino in 2000 when, when, when he won it. And that was when it, it was, started. It was, a great, it was a great race. It's a shame yeah. it changed the course. Yeah, that started in Glenorchy, was it, back yeah, then? Straight, and you straight. run straight through town instead yeah. of diverting all the tracks? Absolutely, yeah. It was yeah. a super yeah. course. Um, yeah, it is. And, yeah. Yeah, if, if you made it, if you made if you made it to the top of the hill there, going up to through North Hobart, first person over the, over the hill was another person that would win the race. So it's I'll funny how that worked out. Race. Yeah, it's the same with the shorter distance too. I've won that twice, and when I had the lead at the top of the hill, I knew no one would catch me coming down. So yeah, 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 yeah it's a great event. Yeah, yeah. So look, that that was um that was a that was a highlight. You know, the Cabri's Marathon the first time. Um, I won a bronze medal in the Australian All Schools Championships in the under 3,000 meters. Um. And 8:51, which which was a PB for me at the time, so it was nice to awesome. it was nice to get, get a national, um, national an individual national bronze. The, I was in the Pacific School Games in 1982 um, on the brand new QE2 track for they had ready for the Brisbane yep. um, Commonwealth Games. Um, I got fifth in that and third Australian, another fifth, another PB. So that was another another, another proud moment as well. Right. Um, most most of my, I mean I'm proud of all my all my finishes. It's just you know. Um, I just, yeah, just you finish your race, and um, you might you might be disappointed at the time, but you know, yeah. a few days later, when you reflect back on it, you know. And that's what I was going to say. Um, this is something I'm doing now, I'm starting to slow down, which is it's okay, it, it happens. Um, but I'm looking yeah. back, and I wasn't always happy with some of the stuff I've done. But I look back and go, well, geez, you know, you should be happy. Like it's not all bad. Like you have had some really good highlights, and do you find that now that you look back and you go, yeah, that's that's great. I can't believe I did actually run that time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, used to do, I, I, I used to do my long runs in four-minute Ks. I dream of doing like 10K <laughs> now for four-minute four Ks. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, older, the older you get, Brian, it's just, it's just natural that you, when you do reflect that you realise you're getting more out of the you're getting more out of the training, out of the racing than you know at the time. At the time, you're all just you're always driven for PBs and doing our best and hoping you know, and winning perhaps um, if that's one of our goals and yeah. your whole focus becomes that and uh, – you don't realise what else is happening as a result of your training and the process and the lifestyle that that that, that you're living at the time. So, yeah. um, running for me, um, running running changed my life. You know, health. I've always kept healthy. It certainly got me a, a um, 
a job at the Hutchins School. Um, I became a PE teacher and um, my successes, um, you know, I'm sure that was one of the big reasons I was um, appointed PE teacher at Hutchins. And um, so career-wise, it kicked off my career and um, it was my mental mental um, release, you know, and my, it was for mental health that was, um, without me knowing it, was, was key for me um, growing, growing up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can... I can totally agree with everything that you've said there. Running is awesome. And yeah. also mate chips and your great mate in Denport, Michael Potter, who you caught up with <laughs> yeah. last week. What does yeah. this friendship mean to you? I know that you guys have knocked around a fair bit training and racing. And yeah. Yeah. yeah look, Michael, Michael's just one of those um, rare human beings that, that you meet that um, he's just the most authentic person. Doesn't have a bad, bad bone in his body. He, um, He's, he's uh, through the tough times and, you know, whether it been tough times, we'll have tough times. He's always, always been there for me and, um, and same for me to, me to him. Um, unfortunately, we never actually, we're sort of out of age group um, by a couple of years. So I actually didn't race against Mike, Mike too much, um, but he was a very handy runner. He was, he was, he was a state, state rep as well. Um, but we got to, um, we got into sort of training for marathons together and um, that's where we, we became very, very close. But then it'd be became obvious that he's more than just a running mate he, he was a guy that had values um that i that i had and um we just became became best friends but he did come up to mckay when i was living up there back in the mid 2000s and um he got back into running and was running really really well and he he came up and ran the king of the mountain at the, um in mckay up, up the younger Range and and beat um the late sean clayton who was a very handy runner um it was a it, it was a shock that he beat Sean and he won the race. And I, I lumbered up in the midfield and a few, few minutes behind him. So <laughs> Mike never lets that one down. He brings that up. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> every, every, time to get, every time we get together. But that's the other thing about, about athletics is you, you make friends, you meet people that, um, that do become life, lifetime friends. And I'm sure every athlete probably has the best mate that's come through the athletics. You know, they're a part of their, part of their athletics journey in some way. Um, so it's a, it's the beauty of our sport. It's the beauty of any sport, but I think there's yeah. something special about athletics and particularly distance running. That sometimes those friendships, I'm sure, uh, bond even yeah. even more firmly. I think it's. I think it comes back to a long run, mate, because you have a lot of time to uh, chew the fat <laughs> yes. on. Right? I know, yeah. Like when you're training yeah. basketball, you can't exactly talk, can you? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's so true. And um, yeah. Gary Bissett is another close friend of mine, and um, he. Yeah, we, we did a lot of training together and all those long runs, you yeah, spot on. That That's where all the conversations occur and um, all the party planning happens, <laughs> happens as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you're happy to answer this one, uh, you, you're saying mm. that you've had some hurdles in your life. Did you want to expand on that for me a little bit, if that's okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I won't get into too much detail, but um, obviously my period my father died as a youngster. That was, that was you know, the way it happened. It was so sudden. Um with the race in the, in the middle of all that, um, that had a massive impact. Um, I had a personal crisis a, a few years ago and um, as circumstances had it, and so it became a, a, a sliding door moment for me, for me to change career as well um, and sort of get myself together. Um, and the support of family and the support of people like Michael um, and, and other close friends that I have um, came, came to the fore. Um, and I realised that um, I actually had a lot of anxiety issues, which I didn't know, Brian. I only, knew, I only found out in recent times, actually, that I, um, that I had anxiety issues. Um, so as a result of these, of these sort of crisis moments, some, some good came out of it. That was certainly diagnosed. And um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of that now. And once right. I realized that I actually had, <laughs> I had the anxiety, then other things in my life sort of, you know, that all made a bit, a, a bit more sense. Um, but I've always said um, through those ups and downs um, that I've had and, um, and as I said, we all go through them. Uh, my running was, again, it was just my running career and, and um, had been committed and knowing that obstacles can be overcome, uh, physical obstacles and mental obstacles, which I did through my running, gave me the confidence to, to approach these other crises in a, in a similar way, you know, taking it head on and, and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to beat this and I'm, I'm going to do this and uh, I'll get through it because I've done it before through my running. So I had some of those life skills embedded in me through, through my running, um, running journey. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And even just talking about it or making that first appointment with a doctor or getting some medication or even doing running if you hadn't been running, all those things, all those little one percenters, eating right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and get, reaching out and getting support. And, uh, and, you, and you've been very open with that yourself, Brian, which is really yeah. inspirational what, you know, what you do and the things you say through social media because, you know, people, people read your, hear your story, they read your story and that, that – um, that, and myself included too, Brian, with that. I, I, I'm in awe of you and, and, and what you've been doing and how, and how you've approached it and how you've um, shared your story with people. It's so important that that, Thank you, that, um, that, that, that can happen. And not only, not only for your own development, but it helps many, many other people by the, by the way you do it too. So, yeah. yeah, well done. I just, yeah, your story is... Uh, and it's why I started following you, Brian. I, we obviously haven't met um, personally. Um, but just reading your story really appealed to me. I just wanted to stay in touch with you and, and just yeah, follow you in your journey as well. And uh, I'm glad I did because I've actually got a lot out of what you've been through. Cheers, mate. I, I really appreciate those kind words. And uh, as you mentioned, I think for me it helps me more than people would realise. And, uh, you know, people, people see it anyway. Like I don't have to hide the way <laughs> some of the stuff I've done and the way I feel. So... For me, it's I just I just like sharing, and and if it helps someone, that's awesome. So yeah, yeah, it's it's working. It's well, certainly from my perspective, and uh, it's working. And just the way I know that you know, I spent most of my professional life helping others, um, students and so forth, in all sorts of ways. Um, I, and I just know what you're doing is reaching out to other people because things that you're doing, um, and you're um you're displaying and, and not, it's not just words, it's your actions. Um, I know very well that there'll be many people out there responding to that. Cheers, mate. No, thank you. Um, we'll change it up. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. something else. But, yeah, uh, sure. Have you ever considered coaching yourself or, or have you coached? Someone. Yeah, I have been involved in school athletics for um, you know, for many many years. So, um, in all my appointments, I've sort of ended up being in charge of the you know, master in charge of athletics or school athletics coordinator. Um, and in addition to that, at every um, school that I've been to, I've always run a fitness um, fitness club. Um, and uh, and and then from that. Um, just from running a healthy fitness club, those those guys that find that they really enjoy the running running at pace, um, doing distance, then um, I've offered my coaching services to them. So over the years, I've actually coached a lot of students and I loved, I love the coaching. Yeah. Um, time, time consuming, as you would be very, very <laughs> yeah. well aware. Um, but it gave me, a, it gave me a different insight. Um, it gave me a different insight as an athlete, but also a different insight and reflection on my own coaches that I had in my career. Cause we can often take our coaches for granted. Um, especially as youngsters, um, yeah. it's not until you start experiencing it yourself that you realise the dedication, the commitment, and that, which they do just for the love of it, to see other people you know, getting the best out of other people. 
Um, so I really, I really love that, that part of it. And, and some of the students that I coached, um, you know, so some of them were troubled, troubled kids and then running became their out, became their path to, to be successful and, and achieve goals, you know. And um, so I got, I got a, lot, a lot out of that. Um, it's something I wished I got more into because I feel as though I've got the knowledge that I have from um, from the likes of Albert, yeah, well, <laughs> Albert Johnson, Albert Johnson, and Max Cherry training books are very much in my head. Um, but who knows down down the track, um, perhaps in my retirement years, <laughs> fast approaching yeah. it, it might be something I, I would take on. I'm um, sure. Like, I love yeah. love you, mate. You like you said, you've got a knowledge there, and you you probably don't think you know a lot, but you know a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it comes back to you, doesn't it? Yeah. Awesome. And what is one piece of advice you would give a newbie runner or even someone who's been running for quite a while? Yeah, I've got, yeah, I thought that question might come up. Yeah. I guess with, um, because my, my professional life has been around serving others, um, yeah, I do, I, and, and through my own experiences, um, which I've been blessed blessed to have. I, I do I do have advice for, for newbie runners. Um, and the first piece of advice would be enjoy your running, enjoy your running, um, but also embrace losing because you've got to see losing as an opportunity for growth. Um, if you don't lose, you're not going to grow as a runner. Um, too many too often I saw kids that were just um, so upset because they lost, or their parents would be blasting because they lost, and um, their their love you can see the. The light of the, the love of running light slowly diminish over the years because of that. Um, so I've always said to my students, the day you stop enjoying the training, enjoying the, it's going to be hard, and don't, don't get me wrong, it's going to be hard work. But the, if you lose the passion, lose the enjoyment, then you're probably wasting your time staying in it. It's not worth it to stay in it. Um, and embracing losing is really important because we, we only learn from our failures. Um, and life is all about making mistakes and moving forwards. Um, so that's the first bit of advice I would give. Second, but second advice for young for newbies: we train hard, race hard, but always respect your respect your opposition. Um, that's really important. Um, whether you win or lose, always respect respect your opposition and, and be um, and be grateful that they've been your opposition and given you an opportunity to race against them. Um, always appreciate and thank the people that serve the sport, um, because you know, as I said earlier on, you can take things for granted, but you know. We, we need to appreciate the administrators. We need to appreciate the coaches, we need, not just our own coaches, but other coaches because they, they produce people for us to race against. Um, and it includes your family. Always um, be appreciative of your family. So I've always instilled in my students who I've coached is every race, thank, thank, an, thank an administrator. And it's probably an area that I didn't do very well. I took, I took especially the administrators, um, I, I took it for granted. Um, I'd whinge a bit about certain things going on in athletics. Um, but I think in reflection, I think every time there's a meet or a race, find somebody yeah. to thank. Find find that volunteer and just say thanks, thank, thanks for the day. Um, Great answer. Yeah, and yeah, and and also for newbies, that let them know that you're gonna, you won't know it at the time necessarily, but you're gonna get more out of uh, running than just medals. You know, it'll be it's yeah. all about life skills, um, and always be aware of that um, when when you're reflecting on your race. Always look at the process of what's going on in your life um, and be grateful for that process because ultimately down the track, that's what, that's what you're going to remember. You're not going to remember specific wins. You'll you remember those races perhaps that um, the most that, that were the hardest as far as the journey was concerned. It might be the marathon um, that you, you pulled out of. It might, it might be the marathon that you hope to win but you end up coming 10th. Um, 
So always, always be reflective. That's so um, and yeah, yeah, and then fight for the new. And and another thing for you for the newbies is learn the history of of, of athletics. And this is what I love about your podcast because. You're putting people out there so that other people can learn from them and and be inspired by them as well, um, not just from their achievements, but just from their thought processes of the sport. Um, too often in my when I was a junior, I was a junior and in my in my 20s, I didn't appreciate um, the history of the sport. I didn't appreciate the likes of um, Noel Ruddick, for example, who led who's led Tasmania athletics for so long. His achievements in the sport, I didn't even know about them. Um, and I, when I was president of the Sandy Bay Harry Club uh, for three years, I sort of got more into the history of the club and, and people had gone before me. And, um, yeah, I was pleased I was able to do that. But um, in reflection, I wish I'd known that earlier on. So le- learn the history of the sport um, and learn learn from others that have been through the journey. That's and for the – That's brilliant. We haven't had that. I haven't had yeah. that answer before. That's so – that is so true. That's – Yeah, um, absolutely. Having respect for the people who have been there and done it and – yeah, yep. yeah, and you're doing that, Brian, with these podcasts. It's it's just awesome, and the range of people that you've got um, involved in the podcast too, um, just reinforces reinforces that. Um, and for for the uh, long timers, um, always always reset your goals. You know, keep up your running for your health. I don't have too much to tell them because if they're still running, they're, you know, they're, they're doing they're doing everything right. There's not much I can advise them, but except that, yeah. It, as they were experiencing, reset your goals, and that's the way you keep your motivation going and keep your enjoyment of the sport going. And if they're able to and have the opportunity, give 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 back to the sport, be it through coaching or administration, um, because that's important. We have people that keep doing that; otherwise, the sport will end up dying. Um, you got to, if we can give back to all those um, for all those years that people have given to us, then that's yep. a really good thing and a very empowering thing for for people to be able to do as well. Great answers, mate, and. We'll go back to where you first started when we started talking about this question. Mm. What are your thoughts on this massive dropout rate where we have these talented juniors, they run, they're really good at what they do, and then we never see them again? What do you think the answer is? Yeah, and look, that's that's been that's been a a a question and 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 things I've addressed in my time. in athletics, as a as a as a, as a PE teacher, as a as a coach of kids, as a Sandy Bay Athletics committee member and president, and as a, I was on the Athletics Tasmania's board for a couple of years as well, how do you stop that? I think the trouble with our sport is athletics is a hard sport. It's an individual sport, and it's hard work. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any other sport that's and to be successful at it, you've got to work so hard. Um, success being if you're achieving goals like making um, state teams, national teams and so forth. I mean, that type of extrinsic success. Um, There are too many other sports that offer um, junior programs that are just too attractive, uh, more attractive than than athletics. So that's where these kids tend to tend to move towards. Um, I'm, I've been a bit out of the scene um, over the last um, decade, but certainly, you know, in the 90s and, and 2000s, I've always felt, that the junior athletes, the junior programs aren't, aren't given enough attention. I even even take that to the, to the Olympic level. You know, they, they pour all this money into the Olympic athletes who might win gold medals at the Olympics, you know, and they justify that by saying, you know, they'll inspire other children. That, that 
that doesn't work. I mean, you, you, no. you should be directing all the resources into little athletics um, and motivating those, um, those athletes up as much as possible and working out ways to keep them in the sport, um, working out ways to be able to finance them to go, particularly from Tasmania, to be able to go to interstate and, and compete, um, yeah. take a bit of expense away from them, give them something to, to encourage them to stay in the sport um, because otherwise, yeah, just, uh, there are other sports uh, are more attractive um, to them. Um, so I'll, yeah, it sounds like there's, that's still still happening. Yeah. It's still a bit bit a bit of a drain, um, and I'm sure it's probably is right 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 across the board. But it's always that's a really good. That, it's some really good points, mate. And I was just interested to see your take on it because I know you've been around a fair while and you've been on a few boards, and um, it's just frustrating. I see these awesome kids with so much talent, and yep. you can see the future and. You don't, you know, you know, maybe three out of those ten kids will still be in the sport when they're my age, and that's frustrating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's got to be thinking outside the box in the way um, meets are run and um, and races are run. And I see that happening a bit more. Um, I just saw that um, in a club down um, in Hobart, they had some races over different, you know, strange distances. Um, yeah, um, yeah, that, that type of thing, and more team type racing as well, where that sort of team bonding. Um, is is that is highlighted more um relays and so forth um distance relays because that's where that's sort of is such an individual sport and um while that's great for some people miss out on that team team emphasis so if you can yeah. bring that team emphasis in too somehow in creative ways you might have a bit more of a chance i remember doing a um i did a survey i'm pretty sure it was on the athletics on the athletics tasmania board um just a school survey of primary school championship primary school champions in um tasmania um, grade six ch- athletic champions, like state champions from little athletics, um, the percentage of those that went on to become um, senior champions okay. was 10%. 10%. 10%, Jeez, 10% one out of 10. That's yeah. not good, is it? Yeah. That is no, so, good. No. <laughs> and that, that's going back into the, back into the 80s. But even, yeah. So it's always, it's always been a bit of an issue. But I, I think what I'm seeing, uh, I think people are trying, trying to do things, trying yeah. to do things differently. But it, it, it requires a national effort. And pouring pouring resources in, in into those youngsters, yeah, yeah, great. And good coaches, and good coaches, Brian, like yourself, getting yeah. getting people like yourself out there, and um, and get having access to good coaches and people that will mentor them and keep them motivated as well. So, and I think that's a thing. Yeah. Like, um, Hobart was really unlucky; they had Albert and Max pass away in a very short period. Mm. So that was a massive loss to that community, and they're only probably just like probably building it back up now. And, and, you know, there would have been a decade there where there wasn't really that one coach who was being there on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So absolutely. Um, that's a, that. yeah. It's just a massive yeah. dent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I won't keep you up for too long. So <laughs> this is a, this is a last question. This one. Yeah. What sure. are some values that you live by in your life? Yeah. So, um, Pretty straightforward with me, my values. Um, so my first value is certainly commitment. Um, I've always been a person that set goals, short goals, short-term goals, long-term goals, and I don't like not achieving them. Um, I will change my goals. Um, I will um, and reset my goals. Um, I, I can do that really well, but I will always be committed to what I set myself to do. Um, that's in every area of my life. Um, I don't like to... I, I'm a bit of a, of a perfectionist, and that can create other issues. Yeah. Um, being a perfectionist um, as well, which it has, I don't know it has anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and 
that's sort of like, you know, like in my professional life, um, what um, in recent times, I haven't got my work-life balance right. I've been just a workaholic and um, I've thrown everything to my professional life and um, sometimes at the expense of my family life. So it's I've got that balance right now. And certainly with the career change, that's really helped me and it's been one of the greatest things I've, that's, that's ever happened to me. Um, but, yeah, so there, there are so, you've got to be watch that value um, and keep it under control. Um, the other values um, directly related to that is family. Um, you know, I value my family and um, I'll always, always put my family first no, no matter what. And I have three. I've had my wife, Julie, been married for 35 years now and been together for nearly 40. And I have three beautiful adult children now. Um, and they are just they're, they're my world, so I'll, I'll do any, anything for them. And um, and knowledge is my other value. I, if you, I always believed that the, the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. And um, obviously, some you know, I'll be careful saying that because some people um, are living and want to learn, but perhaps can't. Um, I, you know, that's that's different. But I've always been one to strive for for knowledge. As well. I'm always studying, always doing degrees, um, and trying yeah. trying to um, better myself um, just from a knowledge perspective, not just through degrees, but just through learning from other people. Every, every time you have a conversation, you learn. You can learn something from it. You're you're another good you know, example of that. You know what you've oh, been doing. I've I've learned from that as well. You know, so learning, yeah, keeping the mind going and, and just trying to learn something new every day. Right, I couldn't agree more. I'm uh, starting quite obviously later in my life, and yeah, and, and it's something that's new to me. It's something that I didn't expect I'd do when I was in high school, but. Yeah. I, I love it. I just love learning, yeah. and it's yeah, it's power, isn't it? Knowledge, as I say, I think that's a saying, something like that. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and and um, yeah, I mean, knowledge is power. Wow, you, yeah, and mm. you're still very, very young. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know that, about that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's there's there's no age. I mean, I've just started my I've just started my doctorate, and um, my pathway to awesome. my doctorate, and um, great, and you know, and I'm, I'm heading towards my looking at 56 now, but I and I'm not doing pretty reason. I'm getting Dr. Chris reason. French. I love it. It's got a good saying to that. Yeah, well, perhaps that is the reason I'm doing it, just so I shouldn't call me doctor. So, <laughs> yeah. I'll sure my, so I'll make sure Michael Potter calls me doctor. Chris, <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, but um, but you know, my motivation for that is I'm getting involved more now into research. So I, you know, I, I'm, I sort of want to start trying to make a difference. And one of the ways you can make a difference, when I'm in a position of differences, is to have that research foundation uh, to drop on. Um, as well, so, so that's that's my motivation. I can see that going for 10 to 20 years, hopefully, of working now in, 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 in that area as well, particularly in my new job now. Fantastic. Yeah. Listeners, this has been Chris French. Thank you so much, mate. That was fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. And yeah, great to meet you. And um, keep up all your fantastic work, eh? It's, it's inspiring stuff. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Uh, I've been Brian Lyons, your host. This is the Everyday Lyons Running Podcast. Thank you, Chris. Listeners, that was Chris French, and I appreciate Chris's time on the Everyday Lyons podcast and I'd like to wish Chris all the best with anything he chooses to do and I appreciate him opening up about a few hurdles that he's faced in his life. If any of this has brought up some issues for you, you can contact Lifeline on 131114. 
Thank you, Chris, for your time. Also, don't forget Everyday Lions has 8-week, 12-week, 16-week and yearly programs at affordable prices. If you'd like to find out more information about these, you can head over to www.everydaylions.org. Until next time, I've been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lions Running Podcast, and happy running.